Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So these people are probably thinking because Satan's probably coming lied to him. Maybe we did something wrong. That's why we're being persecuted. Remember, before they became Christians, that little church, the Jewish people that came to know Christ, and these pagans who came to know Christ, they never suffered before at all. But the minute they chose God, Satan came, and he would brought all kinds of persecution. And they were in hard times. They were in trouble. Now, Timothy's going to go and say, no, you're okay. This is normal. This is a normal part of a Christian's life. The preachers of the so-called health and prosperity gospel say that a true Christian should never have troubles in their lives. They also say that if a Christian does have problems, that that person is not walking right with God. Pastor Mark will be teaching that the Bible says something quite different. You'll learn that many, many people in the Bible that were close with God had lots of problems in their lives. They were persecuted, beaten, and even killed for their faith. While you might not have to give your life for the sake of Christ, you'll learn that God's right there with you just like he was in Bible times. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As he continues his message, God's ways and thoughts are best for us. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What's the Bible tell us we're going to do with our crowns? Put them down at who? The feet of Jesus. Jesus, thank you very much. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you all about my... And then I get up with my bald head or whatever you have, same exactly way. Because it's not about you, it's about Jesus. So Paul is thinking about that, and he goes, you bless me. Can I just say this? You bless me. It's a privilege. Sometimes it's hard, but it's a privilege teaching you the living word of God. And that's what Paul, his heart is there. His affection's there. He can't stand not going and seeing them. Now, watch how he says it in chapter 3, verse (laughs) 1. I love this. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. So we sent Timothy, who is our brother and Christ's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. Notice to do what? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Paul is stopped from visiting the people, but God is not stopped. He had a plan. Paul is not prideful. So he asked his young protege, Timothy. Timothy was way younger than Paul. Paul is the one that had the experience. So he asked Timothy to go in his place. Paul was the older pastor that was training some of the younger pastors. Now, that's exactly what we do. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. 
You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by reliable witnesses. Paul says, you know me, Timothy. You know my heart. I'm not perfect, but you know what I do. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's exactly what we do. Come up toward the end of March, we will be a church 27 years. We started with about 100 people. You have to understand, we've been in the process because I was raised as a pastor's kid. My grandpa was a pastor. I never thought I'd be a pastor. I wasn't for many, many years. But I understood the process. What happens is this. God uses people and then raises up other people, just like you saw Bo. I'm just a guy that people poured into me. I pour into the younger pastors. Then they head off. We have young pastors being used by God at our other campuses right now. They're leading the campuses right here. Many of our young people, some of you have been here long enough, they've gone off and planted a church. And they just planted a church in different parts of the world. And of course, over that, we have many younger families that have headed off and are missionaries all over the world. Well, that's exactly what happens. We're co-workers. We're a team. We just pass it on. See, the gospel, if it isn't passed on to the next generation, we're dead. So the older guys, hello, will be pouring into the younger guys. Because one day, I'll transition to something different. Work in missions or what, I have no idea. But that's true for everything. Remember, one time, Moses died. And here's Joshua. And God says, Moses is dead. You're taking over. And the first thing that comes to Joshua's mind is, well, those millions of people that never obey you, could you pick somebody else, please? No, he didn't say that. He just said, "Uh, God, I'm not Moses. And God said, no, but as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You see, it's never about us. So Pastor Bo, our missionaries... Remember, Serge is just going through a really difficult time. Is God still with him? Yes. So that's what we do as a church. We follow the scriptures. We pass the baton on, and God just uses all that so that he looks good. Now, one thing that you see that Timothy did, he learned this from Paul. Paul taught Timothy to stay on mission. Spread the gospel. But what was Timothy, what was he going to do to these young believers? He's taking Paul's place. What's he going to say to them? Well, Paul writes it like this. Look at verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. Notice these two words. To strengthen and encourage your faith. So there was a goal. Paul was going to do that. But they're co-workers. See, we're a family. We're all co-workers. We're actually co-workers with God. Nobody here is the high person. God's the one we worship. The rest of us just have different jobs and different functions and different gifts. We're co-workers together. And that's what the beautiful thing is because we're making God look good. Now, Paul knew these young believers needed to be strengthened in their faith, encouraged. They needed to be reminded that the word of God would make their faith strong. I want you to see something that happens. Sometimes we miss this in the church and it's a danger if we do. Remember, these are new believers. There's a big difference between being a convert, that's opening salvation, you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and a disciple. See, step one, conversion leads to step two. 
Many Christians, after they get saved, they stay at step one. You'll never make it. You have to be discipled. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. And they learn to obey God's word. But somehow converts, well, they'll listen to the word, but there's not much application. You'll see this later in the scriptures. It's very clear. And so there's hardly any change in their life. See, Paul knew something, and you need to understand this. Paul knew the importance of follow-up, ongoing discipleship, and continued growth. Just think about that. If that young Christian doesn't have somebody coming alongside of them, doesn't get them in a small group like we do here, doesn't get them in my Calvary like we do here, doesn't get them in a new believers course like we have here, starting point. Why do we have all those things? If we don't, most new believers will stay in that baby stage and eventually walk away from God. You'll see that coming later. They have no route to go down. So as you bring a person to church, maybe when we get to Easter, you invite them and they come, they become a believer. You are responsible to help, to come alongside them. You are responsible to invite them to your home group. That's what we talk about home groups. I can teach you all day long, but the small group is where people really grow spiritually. So He's saying to Timothy, make sure that you strengthen them. Make sure you strengthen them. Encourage them in their faith. Because without faith, you won't make it. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. Now look at verse 3. Here's the reason. Look at me. I'll just tell it to you, and then we're going to read it. So why is Paul afraid? By the way, I can, with my new eyes, I can see you without the glasses. Not small print, but I can see you. Why is Paul concerned? Because the people are going through trials. And he's thinking in his mind, are they going to get discouraged and walk away? Well, that's what the enemy wants to do. So that's why he's saying, you got to be encouraged. you got to stay in that whole area. you got to stay there and understand what exactly is happening. Timothy, watch their lives. Watch them. Now, look at verse 3. So that no one, here's why, so that no one be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In other words, Paul says, I taught them. Listen, look at verse 4. In fact, when we were with you, Paul says, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. In the heat of these persecutions, if there's nobody around to help them, it's just like a baby that doesn't know how to make their formula. There's no way. They can't feed themselves. So they're thinking, well, why are we suffering? Paul didn't say this. Oh, yes, he did. You know, there's a lot of churches you can go to. They'll tell you, you become a Christian, all your problems go away. That would be nice. But it's not true. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have what? Trouble. By the way, the world has the same trouble because we have a sin world. But we have God. That's a big difference. So these people are probably thinking because Satan's probably come and lied to them. Maybe we did something wrong. That's why we're being persecuted. Remember, before they became Christians, that little church, the Jewish people that came to know Christ, and these pagans who came to know Christ, they never suffered before at all. But the minute... They chose God. 
Satan came and he would brought all kinds of persecution. And they were in hard times. They were in trouble. Now, Timothy's going to go and say, no, you're okay. This is normal. This is a normal part of a Christian's life. Now look at verse five. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Now, look at this verse. I want you to see this for a moment. When I could stand it no longer. What does that mean? He was impatient. I got to go. I can't stand it any longer. He said, Pastor Mark, I'm never impatient. Yeah. Come with me to the airport and stand in the lines. You know, thank God I have TSA. Praise the Lord. Now, this is interesting to me. You're going to think this is crazy. Paul the Apostle, was he kind of a mediocre Christian? (laughs) He is fantastic. He's way above you and me. But what does he say? I'm impatient. But you know, Paul talks a lot of times. Don't be impatient. Paul, you're not obeying what you teach. I feel better already. (laughs) Don't you? See, you're anxious for something right now, aren't you? Don't raise your hand. That's at the altar call. Now, you understand that? Now, notice the next thing he says. He doesn't say, I'm just impatient. Look what he says here. I was afraid. Paul always was talking, fear not. Do not fear. Everything is perfect. Do not be afraid. Paul says, I was afraid. I feel better again. Now, what does he mean by I was afraid? Remember what he's afraid about, that these people are going to turn back. That's what he's afraid about. So understand what he means by that. Where is that playing the what if game? Where is that happening? Right here. Where does Satan go? Right here. Paul, if you don't get back, you know, Timothy's not you. He's a young kid. If you don't get back, those people are going to fall away. That's Satan lying to Paul. I was afraid. But here's the guy that would say, don't ever be afraid. Fear is the opposite of faith. But I feel better because Paul's like us. He's a human. We struggle sometimes. Remember, Elijah was a man just like you and me. He won this great victory, and then he ran from Jezebel. (laughs) And the Bible says he's just like you and me. I feel better. How many feel better today? Come on, be honest. Yeah, Because we're all alike, aren't we? There's only one perfect. It's Jesus. So here's Paul. He's playing that game. He's anxious. It's driving him crazy. But here's what he knew. Notice what it says. Paul understood spiritual warfare. I was afraid in some way the tempter, Satan, might have tempted you in all our efforts. You're going to close the book. You're going to close the church. You're going to walk out because it isn't worth it. You're afraid. You're done. Well, Paul understood there was a goal from Satan. We all know spiritual warfare is real. But quite often we forget it. You're in the middle of warfare right now. I'm in the middle of warfare. The minute I step to India, oh, I will definitely be in warfare. That's why I ask you to pray for me, because it's very challenging. Well, look at this statement. Let's read it together. Come on. The thief comes, what? Only to steal, kill, 
destroy. That's exactly what Paul knew. He says, if they are not encouraged, they're going to walk out, and everything we did to get there and establish that church, it's gone. He knew Satan would love to sidetrack young believers. He's thinking, what are they thinking? Are you thinking to walk away? And he's concerned that they would walk away from God. Now, that's a great thing. Look at this next statement. Good pastors have continued concern for the people they are teaching. See, you're not just a head out there. You're just not a name, a face. You're a person that God has given me a challenge to make sure that you're growing and maturing with all the other people on staff that help us do that. See, but if you look back at your own history, I've been ministering in different ways for 50 years. And I remember back in my dad's church, and I, and I remember when we started the church in Merritt Island, then Malcolm came, and I would just teach on the weekends from time to time when he's on vacation. Melinda and I had a married class, about 100, 150 people. And we'd go from one year and then take a break in the summer, and then we'd start up in the fall again. And I, I never forget it. When people come back in the fall, these, some of these people that were in, we broke into small groups and studied. And I go, where's who and what's happened to who? And where's a, oh, they got a divorce. Uh, no, they had, both of them had an affair. They've left. Their marriage is over. Uh, they're separated. They're this and that and the other. These are people sat around, studied the word of God with me in the service. I go, what in the world happened? Well, this is what Paul's worried about. I want you to stop for a moment and think. Look around at your friends. Look at the people that you knew in church or where you were before or whatever. Maybe your children. Think how many people have gone A-W-O-L. Used to sit with us. Used to worship with us. Used to be on the stage with us. How many pastors have we seen recently? Oh, Lord, help us. Who were very popular. Now, the second one in Chicago, the whole board's resigning. What about the influence? Who wins there? Satan. And some of those people, hurt, will never go back to church again. See, he's very smart. It could happen to me. I teach all the pastors in me. We're no better than anybody else. Don't look at me. It could happen to you too. But we can pray for people. I want you, some, see, we can't only focus on the unbelievers. If we got all the people that used to serve God back to church, wow! So start praying. Include that in your prayer. People that used to walk with God, and you'll see later, they're gone. They've simply walked away from God. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 13. When Jesus got Paul alone in the deserts of Arabia, he taught him for three years. See, Paul wasn't one of the disciples. He came to Christ later. But I'm pretty sure he learned this parable. It's called the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's actually the parable of the hearer. So if you'll turn there, let me show you what that looks like. This is from Jesus telling us what can happen in a church or in a group of people, or actually in your heart or my heart. So verse 18, Matthew 13, verse 18. Jesus says it like this. Then listen to what the parable of the sower means. Now, when Jesus would do a parable, 
He would do things that could apply to people. They could see it happening. And he's talking about a person in those days that would cast seed. They didn't have machines to do it. They would have a bag of seed and they'd cast it to different soils and whatever, make sure it gets watered if they can and those kind of things. And its purpose was to grow something. That's the way they did it in the old days. They didn't have tractors and all those things. They just cast it on the soil. So the sower in this parable is actually Jesus. He's casting the word. Today, I'm the sower. I'm casting you the word. By the way, the seed is the word of God. It's alive. It's not a dead. You wouldn't have dead seed and put it in the ground. The Bible is alive. And specifically, the seed in this parable is the gospel. The gospel. When the gospel is presented, how do people receive it? What's the soil like? So anyone that shares the gospel is kind of the sower. The seed, as I said, is the word of God and the gospel. Now, what are the soils? We have four soils. How many? Four soils. They're different. It's not dirt. It's the person's heart. It's the human heart. The heart is the center of where we make all our decisions. It's our control center. Now, I want you to understand, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the Bible. There's nothing wrong with the sower because the sower is teaching the word. Or when you share the gospel with a person that's lost, nothing wrong with you. You're not perfect, but you're sharing it as a principle with God. Now, the planting of the seed, the word of God, in the hearts of people is meant to produce one thing, fruit, to be fruitful with your gift. A person doesn't plant uh, seed in the ground and go, well, we'll never get anything out of that. Just plant it there and see what happens. No, the purpose is to have corn on the cob or whatever. You have something taking place. Now, Jesus is using this, and here's what I want you to write. Because we're going to see some shocking things if you've never gone through this parable before. Here it is. True conversion, person really coming to Christ, moves from the convert onto discipleship. True conversion and fruitfulness depend on how a person responds to the word of God. Now, it's not your head, it's our hearts. So we're going to show you four different kind of hearts that people had. Here's the first one, Matthew 13, 19. This person has a hard heart. It'd be like throwing seed on a cement path or asphalt path. Is it going to go in the ground? No. It's just going to get rejected. So here it is. When anyone, notice, hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, watch what happens. The evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, Notice, Satan hates one thing more than anything else, the Word of God. So when that's presented and this person has a hard heart, what does Satan do? He comes, takes the seed away. Or take the seed away, there's not going to be any fruit. It's not going to happen. In today's message, Pastor Mark read about the pastor's heart that the Apostle Paul had toward the church in Thessalonica. You learned that Paul's example for living was one that he received from Jesus and was trying to pass on to this young church. You found out that these principles apply to you as well as you walk out your own life as a Christ follower. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. In his next teaching, Pastor Mark will wrap up the message, God's ways and thoughts are best for us. You'll be reminded about the spiritual aspect of your living, that you are in a war and have an enemy. You'll be warned against allowing the world to influence and corrupt your thinking and behavior. You'll be encouraged to live your life as cleanly for God as possible, but He will give you the strength to do so. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.